Hello. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to Ghoul Gals. I'm Julie. And I'm Cassandra. And today we're talking about wings. Wings. Not chicken wings. Although we did just eat those. <laughs> <laughs> fitting, fitting. Not Julie, though, because she's a vegetarian. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> 100% all the time. Do you want to keep that as your public persona? <laughs> it does not matter. <laughs> cut it out. <laughs> all the times that I post hashtag vegetarian on my Instagram post. <laughs> well, oh. your last one was I'm a corn girl from like three years ago. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I am a corn girl. Though. Yeah. I like corn. I am a corn girl. Yeah. We're both corn girls. Yeah. I love corn. Corn's so good. Did we just talk about it? Yeah, we did. In the last episode, we talked about it being gold. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, do they have corn in England? I don't think they do. Because no. in Pocahontas. <laughs> that is exactly what we said. Um. Anyway, so corn is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Where are we? I just have wings. It. Wings. Oh, wings. Uh, okay. So my uh, creature today is called the Van Meter Monster Mm. or the Van Meter Visitor, which is a less frightening name. (laughs) Yeah, less (laughs) alliterative also. True. Van Meter Monster. Van Meter Monster. Van Meter Visitor. Well, that's that's alliterative too. Van Meter Visitor. Oh, it is. Look Mm -hmm. at that. Huh. VMV or VMM? I don't know. Vum. <laughs> vum, vum. <laughs> oh, we are stupid today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, okay. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, so we're going to journey back in time mm. a little bit. Um, to 1903. Whoa! Yeah, pretty far, but not too far. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, the place we're going to is Iowa. Okay. <laughs> Speaking there of were, corn. There's things to report <laughs> from Iowa? Yeah. In 1903? Yeah, you wouldn't think so. Huh. Van Meter, Iowa, to be exact, if you can believe it. What? <laughs> <laughs> And this is a quaint little farm town that's situated along the Raccoon River. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is so quaint. <laughs> I know. I know. It's exactly like, there's not a ton of pictures of it, obviously, but like, the one of the pictures I, I found of it, or not found, I didn't look for it. It was just with the article that I was reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> It had, like, a, a store that was a bakery, a restaurant, and something else all in one. And then it had, like, a general store next to it. And oh. it had, like, one bank. That's you know, like far they, too cute. They absolutely have only one church, <laughs> one road. Everybody pre- knows your name. That's exactly what I wrote. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, like the bar from the Cheers. The Cheers. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so, yeah, so it's just like a super quiet little farm town. Uh, can't imagine there's too much going on until the night of September 29th, 1903, and it became a mysterious and terrifying place to live. Ooh, yeah. I'm in now. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I mean, mean, I was in before. I mean... It sounded very cute. <laughs> a little too quaint for me, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, too small. Yeah. To everyone's in everybody's business. Yeah, and in 1903, it probably wasn't 
racist. It was, yeah, it was not a great place yeah, to live. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so from that night, uh, Tuesday, September 29th through October 3rd, Van Meter was visited by a creature. Mm. Some call it the Van Meter monster. More boring people call it the Van Meter visitor. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess they're maybe trying to be nice to it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, whatever or whoever this creature was could not be identified as anything that had ever been seen before by the residents of Van Meter. Perfect. Yeah. Kevin Lee Nelson, who is one of the three authors of The Van Meter Visitor, A True and Mysterious Encounter with the Unknown, which sounds like a fun book, Uh described what happened in an interview with the Bigfoot Diaries, yes. a blog on Blogspot. <laughs> <laughs> better and better. Yeah. Um, Nelson says, The first night at about 1 a.m., respected businessman, Eugene mm. Griffith. I can only imagine what the U stands U- for. Ulysses Griffith? That's what I thought, too. And I, I can't think of any other U name. So. Um, Umberland? I feel like that's not a first name. Umberland? <laughs> I don't it's know. It's like a city in England. <laughs> Um, Yuji Griffith noticed what he thought was a spotlight moving around on the rooftop of one of the downtown buildings. Hmm. At first, he thought it might be a burglar. But when he approached it, it jumped to another rooftop across the street. (gasps) What? And disappeared. Stop it. No. That is not a burglar, probably. I mean... (laughs) Certainly no human burglar, at least. Ooh, maybe it's a hamburger. I was just going to say ah! that. Get, get out of my head, Cassandra. <laughs> it's not a human burglar, but it might be a hamburger. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> 1903 hamburger. Oh, Lord. <laughs> okay. I'm just picturing this respected businessman going into the police station and they're like, all right, describe him. And it's just like round face. <laughs> a little mask just over his eyes. A what bandit he mask. A bandit he wears mask. like a hat, I feel like. Like a Zorro style hat. Doesn't he have a cape? Maybe. I f- I'm is picturing he wearing, a cape. Is he wearing like a striped outfit? Like a striped outfit? Like um, like prisoner <laughs> wear? Yeah. <laughs> Like he escaped like old just ha- to burglar yes, again. and then he put his little to, mask back on. To hamburgle to one hamburgle. more time. <laughs> what, are, what are you in for? <laughs> <laughs> I hamburgled one too many times. <laughs> hamburgled. Oh, man. Oh, you, he's terrifying. Wow. We were both, I mean, like. We're all right. We, we were it. all correct, which is shocking because yeah. we both have bad memories. Yeah, and he's wearing a little cape. He's so yeah, stripes. he's got a little hat, a Zorro kind of looking hat, a mask like a bandit, a cape <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> and a hamburger tie. Yeah, a hamburger tie and red with gloves, matching gloves and sneakers. Weird. The gloves are so he doesn't get caught from his fingerprints. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> But, like, that garish outfit, mm-hmm. he'll get caught from that. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so the hamburglar <laughs> uh, disappeared into the night. Okay. Um, the next night, also around 1 a.m., 
Dr. Alcott, the town doctor, was sleeping in a room in, at his office uh, when he was awoken by a bright light shining into his face <gasps> through the window. Ooh. He rushed outside with gun in hand, oh. only to discover the source of the light was a tall humanoid with bat-like wings. What? Well, I forgot we were talking about wings already. I know. Um, <laughs> we're talking about hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense that he flew over the flew over the street. Yeah, there. if he's a tall humanoid with huge fucking wings, then he can just do whatever he wants. Yeah. Also, a uh, big bummer for the doctor. It sounds like he was having maybe marriage problems. Yeah, <laughs> sleeping in his office. <laughs> Something sad or bad he's, happened. Yeah, he's probably like, oh, I um, I I wanted, I fell asleep when I was working on a case or something, you know, mm, like, mm-hmm. I was researching something and I <laughs> fell asleep at my desk. With, for my, the with fifth a night gun in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> he's wrapped up a lot of gambling debts or something. He's like, I can't go home. They'll find me there. <laughs> Oh, poor oh. Dr. Elcott, oh, the only man. only doctor in town. <laughs> <laughs> Although I looked at this, I actually looked up the census um, records for this town, and in yeah. 1900, there were like 400 people there. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and there's only like a thousand now, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's still just one doctor. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Can that you imagine? No. There's like 60,000 people. 400. That's like Oak. the size of my high school. That's probably like a yeah. third of the high the size of your high school. Yeah, it's like one class at oh my high school. It's wild. Yeah. Weird. Um anyway. <laughs> so, so he has run into this tall humanoid with bat like wings. Mm, mm-hmm. Uh the blinding light came from a blunt horn in the creature's forehead. I'm sorry, what now? <laughs> a blunt horn in the creature's forehead was emitting a blinding, white, disorienting light. Wild. Yeah. Ooh, weird. Isn't that strange? Mm-hmm. It's like an anglerfish, but worse, because it's on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's not in it's the ocean. It's going to get you. you can't, there's no escape. <laughs> Um, Dr. Alcott fired five shots at the creature, which is like one shy of the whole gun. Yeah, right? He's <laughs> um, freaking out. Yeah, five shots at the creature at close range. After seeing the shots had no noticeable effect, he fled. Fair. Fled right back to the arms of his wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mary. <laughs> I promise I'll stop gambling. <laughs> I've seen the light. <laughs> Literally. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so the next night, local banker Clarence Dunn uh, had an encounter with the visitor with mm. a capital V. <laughs> yeah. After hearing about the previous night's encounters, Mr. Dunn felt he should watch over the bank. Fearing burglars, he brought along his shotgun for the night's watch. Around 1 a.m., he heard a strangling noise outside. A strangling noise? Uh-huh. I don't know Ew. if that means like a choking Like someone noise, choking? Yeah. Or, or like... like someone being strangled? Like mm-hmm. screaming? Like I'm just imagining awful. Just, yeah. just awful. Bad sound. Yeah. 
Before he could investigate, he was hit full in the face <gasps> with a blinding beam that shone through the front window. Oh, I know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> the light suddenly switched off and then back on again as if scanning the room, finally swinging back at him. Whoa. He could make out some kind of great form behind the light. Dunn fired his shotgun at the mysterious being right through the bank's front window. Mm. Then it vanished. In the morning, he noticed sets of large three-toed footprints outside the bank and claimed to have made plaster casts of them. What? Yeah. So, (laughs) this creature has three toes, uh, a horn, a blunt horn. (laughs) that uh, It's like a a flashlight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and giant wings, and it's very tall. It is like it's a it's a grab bag of weird, of weird yeah. It's like a stuff, an ad, uh, not an ad lib. No, yes, a mad lib, an ad lib. <laughs> yes, yeah. also mad libs are ad libs, right? <laughs> it's like an a mad lib yeah. of uh, creature nouns. <laughs> like oh, on its head it had a a horn. <laughs> Um, that looks kind of like a flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of normal feet, it had three toes. Yeah. Uh, give, give us a number. Yeah. Uh, three. <laughs> it had three toes. <laughs> That's great. By the following day, the previous night's events had circulated around the town, obviously. Later that night, local hardware store owner O.V. White... How does it encounter Orville <laughs> Vol White <laughs> Orville Vil White? I didn't even say it right. I don't understand. It's so strange to me that um, old timey men initialed their names all the time. Yeah, like why? Right. <laughs> <laughs> You have 400 people in town. I don't think you have to worry about someone confusing you with someone else. <laughs> right, stealing your identity. Either. Right. Jeez. So, O.V. White, the hardware, hardware store owner, mm-hmm. uh, was jolted awake by a metallic rasping sound outside his second floor room oh. above the hardware store. Second on floor Main room? Uh-huh. No. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, you think you're safe on the second floor, but you're not. You're not. <laughs> He grabbed his gun and moved toward the window. Outside, he saw the visitor perched close by on the crossbeam of a telephone pole. Whoa. Can you imagine? I can't. (laughs) (laughs) That is wild. Uh Uh-huh. White, a known marksman, took deliberate Mm. aim and fired at the creature. It had no effect and only seemed to awaken the visitor. Yikes. So he's so having got... a little snooze, and then he <laughs> got shot at, and <laughs> it woke him up. He got pissed. Yeah. The creature emitted a stupefying odor <gasps> that overpowered ah! White, knocking oh, him unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> T'was a fart. things is so stupid it must be true I know. right like who would make that up and he smelled so bad it knocked me unconscious <laughs> like like a man especially a 1903 man mm-hmm. would 
be like, oh, I fought him. He, mm. he punched me unconscious, you know, or yeah. something. Yeah, he wouldn't be like, me. he farted so bad, <laughs> I passed out, and I don't remember what else happened. <laughs> or at least, I mean, he would at least say that he was literally blinded by the light. Because that, that had be been good. going that around. Make sense. <laughs> the, the, the odor thing had not been said before. It's brand new. <laughs> wow. The shots awoke White's neighbor, Sidney Gregg, who raced outside to see what the commotion was about. He watched in disbelief as the monster descended the telephone pole <laughs> in the manner of a parrot, which is uh, what? using its huge beak. What? <laughs> <laughs> so like feet and beak mm-hmm. like beak and feet me... and beak and feet and beak and feet uh, <laughs> wild. Yeah, so it's using its beak to climb not its hands i don't know or Either, it's using the scariest method of climbing <laughs> down a pole <laughs> um upon reaching the ground it stood erect and by mr greg's estimates it was at least Eight feet high. Oh, no. Whatever it was, the light from its forehead was as bright as an electric headlight, which is not as scary nowadays. But back then, it must have been frightening. Yeah. Um, And seeing it on top of a, like, eight-foot-tall creature, (laughs) I guess, was also very frightening. (laughs) I'll concede that that would also be very terrifying. Especially if it's one of the new, like, LED headlights. Oh, my gosh, I hate those. I fucking hate them. They look like brights all the time. Yeah. Mm. They, I I don't understand what the purpose is. No. Except that it blinds me (laughs) when I'm driving. (laughs) The light, again, darted about just as it had the night's before in a uh, searching motion so it was like looking around the creature paused only for a moment before taking off towards the old coal mine no (laughs) of course just get scared where's the scariest place to live oh the old coal mine (laughs) the following night strange sounds were heard coming from the abandoned coal mine at the Mm. edge of town Described by a local as, quote, though Satan and a regiment of imps were coming forth for a battle. End quote. (laughs) (laughs) Who, who, like, like if I would ask someone, like, oh, what did it sound like? And they're like, hmm, hmm, hmm. (laughs) Closest I can think of is the devil and an army of imps coming for you. For battle. Wow. For battle. Yeah. Yeah. Woof. Yeah, I can't imagine what that sounds like. (laughs) The visitor, accompanied by a second creature, Mm. was spotted emerging from the mine and taking off into the night. A large crowd of armed men gathered at the mine to ambush the creature. Well, when they returned, when the creature and this other little, littler creature returned. They were reported as having enough firepower to have sunk the Spanish fleet. Shortly before dawn, the creatures returned. The crowd opened fire on them both. To their bewilderment, the creatures were totally immune to their assault and only gave off the terrible odor as a response before they crawled back (laughs) down into the mine. They're like skunks. They got scared and they let out an odor. Oh, no. (laughs) 
The next day it was reported that a force of men has been set to work to barricade the mouth of the mine, sealing the creatures inside. The creatures were never seen again. Oh, so they died in the cave? Maybe. Maybe. Or they found a way out through another yeah. opening. And they were like, yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck these guys and their guns. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one of the book's other authors, Chad Lewis was interviewed for the Des Moines Register, a newspaper. He said after reading an article and learning about the Van Meter Visitor, um, he was struck by the fact that such prominent men would put their names to stories like these. Yeah. Like these are all business owners, doctors, mm-hmm. etc. He said, um, Lewis said, these weren't town drunks. Of course. Yeah. That was literally going through my head. I'm like, it's not like they're town drunks yeah, or something. Yeah, it's not teenagers. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. dis- disreputable people Conspiracy theorists. <laughs> <laughs> right. People who are in town looking for Bigfoot already. <laughs> <laughs> so Lewis came to Van Meter and with the help of local librarian Jelena Walker, also found the legend had survived the generations in the town's centennial book. Hmm. Old timers remember it, she said, <laughs> though their opinions of its authenticity vary. Okay. Those guys wouldn't have wanted that publicity, Walker said of eyewitness accounts. When asked if she believes the visitor to be real, Walker said, it depends on your belief system. I know there is good and I know there is evil, she said. I believe there is a god, so I <laughs> believe there is a demon. I'm saying it was evil. You don't know that. It did nothing evil at all. No. It it peeped through windows, yeah, which is like creepy. Creepy but and upsetting. Not yeah, it didn't hurt anyone. Malicious. No one died. Yeah. No one was taken. Mm-hmm. You, is... Like the worst thing they did was let out a fart. A bad <laughs> bad fart. Yeah, that's not evil. That's just uh, Offensive. Offensive, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Walker um, even drove down the gravel road out to the abandoned brick plant, which is like right next to the the mine, Mm -hmm. after her consultations with Lewis. I never want to go up there again, I tell you that, she said. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to back up the car, and I don't know if it was loose gravel, but I couldn't back up right away. I'm thinking, what is going on? I'm getting out of here. Okay, it was definitely (laughs) loose gravel. Come on, jo- or you like Jolene? Ax- Jolena. Jolena. Uh-huh. Mm. Or you like accidentally put it in neutral or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lewis made the rounds in his research, finding strange stories in Van Meter, ghosts at the old high school and basement of the town bar, and serpents in the river. Ooh. The Raccoon River. <laughs> None to his surprise. Intersecting geographical elements, he says, are said to have uncanny energy. Um, The Raccoon River being... Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I still thought this would be fun, but short, he said. We would find out this is a hoax, no doubt in my mind. When I started, I was just fascinated what makes people believe or not. Over the years, it's changed a bit. Now I'm just as interested in this ca- in the cause as the effect, he said. After nearly 20 years, I am left with more questions than answers. Every time I have a theory or explanation, I'm back to zero. In other words, he didn't dismiss the po- possibility. Wow. Yeah. 
Lewis ran through the likely scenarios. A hoax was dismissed uh, because what dressed up prankster could survive that amount of firepower? And who could crawl down a light pole like With a their parrot? Mouth. Come on! Yeah. <laughs> or let out that kind of fart. <laughs> <laughs> a strange unknown creature could have emerged from the mines, but there was no proof of it. He's still hoping that the plaster cast is in a Van Meter attic somewhere. Oh my gosh, yeah. It was an era when anything was possible. Science was starting to gain momentum. In fact, they had just discovered the mountain gorilla, which seems unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> so the beast in the, the jungle... white people. <laughs> yeah, the white people. I'm sure. Just discovered. Yeah, these this town of white people in Iowa <laughs> just heard about uh, gorillas existing. <laughs> Um, so the beast in the jungle was real he said people were open to the fact that anything could happen Mm -hmm. he found little more than the legend but in visiting the mine location he also found unease Ooh, yeah john youngman is a farmer who owns the pasture where the coal mine is covered up he took lewis out to examine it he told lewis he always had a funny feeling about the place but his son, also named John, laughed it off. We... <laughs> Crazy old dad. <laughs> we called it the Brickyard Monster, he said. He's making it sensational. It's a fun legend and all that. Fun to scare the kids or for campfire stories. Others take a more scientific approach in their skepticism. Matthew Sharps, a professor of psychology at California State University, Fresno, Researches eyewitness memory and says one person's account grows as it is passed on. Sure. Which, yes. <laughs> it was five feet tall. It was six feet tall. Uh-huh. It was a thousand feet it tall. It was eight feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it had one toe. It had two toes. It had three toes. <laughs> <laughs> it had a one toe. Let out a little toot. It, it did a fart so smelly. I passed out. <laughs> you know. <laughs> did a little toot. The story becomes part of the memory. Obviously, these things aren't real, but people really see them, so they behave. They behave toward them as though they are real. They are eyewitness memory errors. He said. Mm-hmm. People with tendencies toward depression, ADHD, or dissociation. Oh, no. Uh, right? <laughs> like, I typed a little, um, the little, like, colon emoticon with, like, the forward slash. Like, oh, a, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Are more prone to see UFOs or creatures, his research shows, and the encounters can be harmful. Because it can be a life-changing experience. So they go around telling people and they think, and the the people you tell think that you're crazy. Mm -hmm. So now you have to prove that Bigfoot is there. And you're driving around with American Bigfoot Project printed on your van. Oh, God. Telling your wife, I'll be done as soon as I find Bigfoot. Oh, no. (laughs) Which is Everything about this is like, it's you, it's me, it's both of us. (laughs) Like last week, I was googling 
Bigfoot stickers <laughs> to put on the back of my van. So and we got so distracted, like we're like, oh, this Mothman one is so cute. <laughs> what is it? Oh Mothman God. ate oh my... my entire ass. <laughs> <laughs> There's some great and a Denny's or something. And a Denny's. Yeah, <laughs> the spray and a is so good. Um, and there was yeah, but there was like a Snallygaster one, mm-hmm. I think, and the Dover Demon. Yeah, oh yeah, the, the George Costanza Dover Demon. <laughs> yes, too too good, too good. Uh, Lewis, however, doesn't see the harm. Uh, in fact, even though he said he's unsure what happened those fall nights in 1903, seeking the answer was more important than finding it. Wow. Man, yeah. It's about the friends you make along the way. (laughs) The real van meter monster. (laughs) With with the friends you made along the way. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Wow. Oh, that's it. That's a weird, it's just so strange. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't believe how much information there was about it. Thank you to the Bigfoot Diaries for doing that interview. With that man. Great. Cool. Another, a new place to go on oh, our yeah. drive. On our way to somewhere more interesting. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I was like, I guess we're going to have to find, like, I don't know. On our way to the Pacific Northwest to right. find Bigfoot. Yeah. Because we'll why, why else would we go to Iowa? Uh, yikes. No offense, Iowa, but you are aware of this. Like, you know, I mean... I'm sure there's plenty of people who are like, I'll just drive. Well, I mean, no one drives through Michigan to get somewhere. No, because we're, we're a peninsula. Yeah. <laughs> we're two peninsulas. <laughs> you know, At the very sense. top of the country. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's the yeah. same. People say the same thing about Michigan, probably. Yeah. Even though Michigan is obviously much better. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, no offense. Iowa, but... No offense, <laughs> you but know here's this. an offensive statement for you. <laughs> All right, so today I'm going to talk about the flying head. Ooh, I'm so excited for this. Ooh, you, yeah. I've been, I mean, ever since you said it, I was like, what could this possibly be? (laughs) Get ready. I mean, I'm imagining literally It's a flying head. head. Yeah. (laughs) But, (laughs) but like, what is it? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to start out by reading you verbatim this uh, part of a book. It's called The Magazine of History. Colon, with notes and queries, volume three. Fantastic. Uh, it was written in 1906, three, three years after yours. Nice. By William Abbott. <laughs> also, it's worth saying, so um, the flying head is folklore from the Iroquois and Wyandotte uh, people. Wyandotte is a city in Michigan. It is. <laughs> but it, it's not Michigan at all. <laughs> Oh. It's more set in New York, uh, oh. or in in nowadays New York. So just right. So like south the... of the Ontario, okay, uh, Lake Ontario. Okay, so not New York City, but New York State. New York State. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Got it. All right, and I I don't want to describe any more, <laughs> um, until we get there okay. through this story. Okay. So okay. and it's very very, uh, wordy and weird. Yes. So you can get, practice your voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the country about the headwaters of the Great Mohegan, as the Hudson is sometimes called, 
though abounding in game and fish, was never in the recollection of the oldest Indians living, nor in that of their fathers' fathers, the permanent residence of any one tribe. From the yeah, get right, see how see how it is. <laughs> Were you like? I'm so, like, where is the sentence going? But. <laughs> It got there. I got it. It I got understand. there. Okay. Um, so from the Black Mountain Tarns, where the Eastern Fork takes its rise, to the Silver Strand of Lake Pleasant, through which the Western Branch makes its way over rising in the Soconda Lake, Jesus. the wilderness that intervenes and all the mountains round about the fountainheads of the Great River have from time immemorial been infested by a class of beings with whom no good man would ever wish to come into contact. Oh, shit. <laughs> All that for that. A lot of words for me to be like, oh, wow. <laughs> Scary. Yeah. Um, that was very dramatic. <laughs> I'm glad people don't talk like that anymore. Oh, well, my. Well, right like that. Yeah, really. I know. Um, I mean, it's a fun ride for a while. It is, yeah, but it get. I mean. I know. It gets much better once we get to the point, because, like, that's all yes. descriptive, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so the flying head... Here we go. Which is supposed to have first driven the original possessors of these hunting grounds, whosoever they were, from their homes, and which, as long as tradition runneth back in the old day before the whites came hither, (laughs) guarded them from the occupancy of every neighboring tribe. Uh, So it was guarding them from other people. um, Has not been seen for many years by any credible witness. Though there are those who insist that it has more than once appeared to them, hovering as their fathers used to describe it over the lake in which it first had birth. Mm. The existence of this fearful monster, however, has never been disputed. The origin and history of the flying head survives, while even the name of the tribe whose crimes first called it into existence has passed away forever. So we don't even know who really came up with this. Right. Because they're gone. Whoa. Yeah. This is intense. Wild. Wow. It's just begun. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So it was a season of great severity with that forgotten people whose council fires were lighted in the mountains promontory that divides Sacandoga from the sister lake into which it discharges itself. So a long and severe winter, with but little snow, had killed the herbage at its roots, and the moose and deer had trooped off to the more luxuriant pastures among the Mohawk, whither the hunters of the hills dared not follow them. The fishing, too, failed, and the famine became so devouring among the mountains that whole families who had no hunters to provide for them perished outright. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's uh, sad. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, the young men would no longer throw the slender product of the chase into the common stock, and the women and children had to maintain life as well they could upon the roots and berries the woods afforded them. The sufferings of the tribe became at length so galling that the young and enterprising began to talk of migrating from the ancient seat of their people. And as it was impossible, surrounded as they were by hostile tribes, merely to shift their hunting grounds for a season Mm -hmm. and return to them at some more auspicious period, Mm -hmm. it was proposed that if they could effect a secret march to the Great Lake off to the west of them, they should launch their canoes upon Ontario and all move away to a new home beyond its broad waters. Michigan. 
<laughs> oh, beautiful. <laughs> this, this is just a pure Michigan ad. <laughs> Tim Allen's voice. <laughs> New York sucks. <laughs> Let's grab our boats and go to Michigan. Would it be Michigan, Michigan or would it be Canada? <laughs> it would probably be Canada. Canada yeah, right? yeah. Okay, well. I mean, if they went really far all the way through the other. Is Ontario even matchup? I don't even know. Ontario's the one that like doesn't actually touch itself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they would get in a boat, go across the Ontario, get out of the boat, carry the boat, get back in the boat, <laughs> and then go to Michigan. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so the wild rice, of which some had been brought into their country by a runner from a distant nation, would, they thought, support them in their perilous voyage along the shores of the Great Water, where mm-hmm. it grows in such mm-hmm. profusion. And they believed that, once safely beyond the lake, it would be easy enough to find a new home abounding in game upon those flowery plains, which, as they had heard, lay like one immense garden beyond the chain of inland seas. Oh, that's beautiful. Sounds too good to be true, that's though. pure Michigan for you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a sea of wildflowers and lakes it's and wild rice. <laughs> yum, 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 yum. <laughs> So the old men of the tribe were indignant at the bare suggestion of leaving the bright streams and sheltered valleys amid which their springtime of life had passed so happily. They doubted the existence of the garden regions of which their children spoke, and they thought that if there were indeed such a country, it was madness to attempt to reach it in the way they proposed. They said, too, that the famine was a scourge which the master of life inflicted upon his people for their crimes. That if its pains were endured with the constancy and firmness that became warriors, the visitation would soon pass away. Mm-hmm. But that those who fled from it would only war with their destiny and that chastisement would follow them Ooh. in some shape, wheresoever they might flee. Wow. Finally, they added that they would rather perish by inches in their native hills. They would rather die that moment than leave them forever to revel in plenty upon stranger plains. Ooh. Ooh, wow. This is gorgeously this is written. This is beautiful. Upon stranger planes is like the most beautiful phrase I've ever heard. As I was reading this, I was like goosebumps. I was right. like, ooh, ooh. I'm about to title this my like poetry manuscript Upon Stranger Planes. Oh, that's Isn't that great. nice? That would be really great. Mm. Mm. This is such a typical like, conver- <laughs> like, like not conversation, but like fight between old people and young people. Uh-huh. Like it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. This is the way it's even. always been, and we don't need to fix it. And then young people are like, and we have and a better it's happening idea. To, uh, the bad stuff is happening to us because we're being punished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I mean, that's in every fucking, every, every culture. I mean, that's, Christianity is riddled with that. <laughs> um, white people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's even like when when someone's like, "I want to be a graphic designer, Dad," and he's like, "But we run a a, a bank, you know. Like, <laughs> like, we've always run a bank. All we know is banking. This is what you will do." And he's like, "I want to be a designer. <laughs> no, <laughs> I can forge a new path." <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So where were we? So okay, they would rather perish by inches. Yeah, yeah. They would rather die that moment. Upon stranger planes. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. Yeah. Be it so, they have spoken, exclaimed a fierce and insolent youth, springing to his feet 
and casting a furious glance around the council as the aged chief, who had thus addressed it, resumed his seat. Be the dotard's words their own, my brothers. Let them die for the crimes they have even now acknowledged. Holy. <laughs> we know of none. Our unsullied summers have nothing to blush for. It is they that have drawn this curse upon our people. It is for them that our vitals are consuming with anguish, while our strength wastes away in the search of sustenance we cannot find, or which, when found, we are compelled to share with those for whose misdeeds the great spirit hath placed it far from us. They have spoken, <laughs> let them die. Oh, shit. <laughs> let them die if we are to remain to appease the angry, useless carcasses. May, may then nerve the limbs of your young hunters or keep your children from perishing. Let them die if we are to move hence, for their presence will but bring a curse upon our path. Their worn-out frames will give way upon the march, and the raven that hovers over their corpses will guide our enemies to the spot and scent them like wolves upon our trail. Let them die, my brothers, and because they are still our tribesmen, let us give them the death of warriors, and that before we leave this ground. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. What? <laughs> I just like put my hand on my chest. Like, what? This is a wild ride. Ooh. Oh my I god. Know. I know. I like when I said the name of the the thing. What is the magazine of history with right. notes and whatever? With notes like, and this queries. is going to be so boring. Yeah, it sounds like the most boring book in the world. I'd rather read the dictionary. <laughs> oh. But then has the, this gem, Jesus, Louise. Oh. I know. I feel like I just got yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like it. <laughs> ooh. 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 Mufasa. Ooh. 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 Say it again. <laughs> Okay, all right, okay, you, okay, you ready? Okay. Come, come. <laughs> all right. And with these words, the young barbarian, peeling forth a ferocious whoop, buried his tomahawk in the head of the old man nearest to him. The oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Killed him. Killed him right oh then. God. I know. I mean, I know that's what he meant, but I didn't think he would do it right now. Oh, he's pissed. Wow. Obviously. Yeah. So the, the infernal yell was echoed on every side. A dozen flint hatchets were instantly raised by as many remorseless arms, and mm. the massacre was wrought before one of those thus horribly sacrificed could interpose a plea of mercy. <laughs> but for the mercy they would not have pleaded had opportunity been afforded them, for even in the moment that intervened between the cruel sentence and its execution, they managed to show that stern resignation to the decrees of fate which an Indian warrior ever exhibits when death is near. And each of the seven old men that perished thus barbarously drew his wolf-skin mantle around his shoulders and nodded his head, as if inviting the death blow that followed." Yeah. <laughs> okay. The parricidal Ooh. deed was done, and it now became a question how to dispose of the remains of those whose lamp of life, while twinkling in the socket, had been thus fearfully quenched forever. The act, though said to have been of not unfrequent occurrence among certain Indian tribes at similar exigencies, 
was one utterly abhorrent of most of our indigenous, who from their earliest years were taught the deepest veneration for the aged. In the present instance, likewise, it had been so outrageous a perversion of their customary views of duty among these people that it was thought but proper to dispense with their wanted mode of sepulchre and dispose of the victims of famine and fanaticism in some peculiar manner. They wished in some way to sanctify the deed by offering up the bodies of the slaughtered to the master of life, and that without dishonoring the dead. Mm-hmm. It was therefore agreed to decapitate the bodies and burn them. Mm-hmm. And as the nobler part could not, when thus dissevered, be buried with the usual forms, it was determined to sink the heads together to the bottom of the lake. Okay. Okay. Yikes, yikes, I see, yikes. I can see where see it's going it all now? Together. Yeah. <laughs> so the soulless trunks were accordingly consumed and the ashes scattered to the winds. The heads were then deposited singly in separate canoes, which were pulled off in a kind of procession from the shore. The young chief who had suggested the bloody scene of the sacrifice rode in advance in order to designate the spot where they were to disburden themselves of their gory freight. Resting then upon his oars, he received each head in succession from his companions and proceeded to tie them together by their scalp locks in order to sink the hole with the huge stone to the bottom. But, but, the vengeance of the master of life overtook the wretch before his horrid office was accomplished. For no sooner did he receive the last head into his canoe than it began to sink. His feet became entangled in the hideous chain he had been knotting together, and before his horror-stricken companions could come to his rescue, he was dragged, shrieking, to the bottom. The others waited not to see the water settle over him, but pulled with their whole strength for the shore. Oh my god! This is the most visually horrifying story I've ever heard. Yes, yes, yes. Holy shit. Yes. Uh (laughs) I don't have words. Like, I'm just... So the morning dawned calmly upon the unhallowed water, which seemed at first to show no traces of the deed it had witnessed the night before. But gradually, as the sun rose up higher, a few gory bubbles appeared to float over one smooth and torpid spot, which the breeze never crisped into a ripple. The parasites sat on the bank watching all the day, but sluggish at first, that swollen bloat upon the fresh blue surface still remained. Another day passed over their heads, and the thick stain was yet there. On the third day, the floating slime took a greener hue, as if colored by the festering mass beneath, but coarse fibers of dark dye marbled its surface. And on the fourth day, these began to tremble along the water like weeds growing from the bottom, or the long tresses of a woman's scalp flowing in a pool when no wind disturbs it. The fifth morning came, and the conscience-stricken watchers thought that the spreading scalp for such now all agreed it was, had raised itself from the water Mm -hmm. and become rounded at the top as if it were a head beneath it. Mm -hmm. Some thought, too, that they would discover a pair of hideous eyes glaring beneath the dripping locks. They looked on the sixth 
and there indeed was a monstrous head floating above the surface, as if anchored to the spot around which the water, notwithstanding a blast which swept the lake, was calm and motionless as ever. Those bad people then wished to fly, but the doomed parasites had not now the courage to encounter the warlike bands through which they must take their way in fleeing from their native valley. They thought, too, that as nothing about the head except the eyes had motion, it could not harm them, resting quietly as it did upon the bosom of the waters. And though it was dreadful to have that hideous gaze fixed forever upon their dwellings, yet they thought that if the master of life meant this as an expiation for their frenzied deed, they would strive to live on beneath those unearthly glances without shrinking or complaint. But... A strange alteration had taken place in the floating head on the morning of the seventh day. A pair of broad wings, ribbed like those of a bat, and with claws appended to each tendon, had grown out during the night, and buoyed up by these seemed to be now resting on the water. The water itself appeared to ripple more briskly near it, as if joyous that it was about to be relieved of its unnatural burden, but still, for hours, the head maintained its first position. At last, the wind began to rise, and driving through the trough of the waves beneath their expanded membrane, raised the wings from the surface and seemed for the first time to endow them with vitality. Mm -hmm. They flapped harshly once and twice upon the billows, and the head rose slowly and heavily from the lake. An agony of fear seized upon the gazing parasites, but the supernatural creation made no movement to injure them. It only remained balancing itself over the lake and casting a shadow from its wings that wrapped the valley in gloom. But dreadful was it beneath their withering shade to watch that terrific monster hovering like a falcon for the stoop and know not upon what victim it might descend. It was then that they who had sown the gory seed from which it sprung to life with one impulse sought to escape its presence by flight. Herding together like a troop of deer when the panther is prowling by, they rushed in a body from the scene. But the flapping of the demon pinions was soon heard behind them, and the winged head was henceforth on their track wheresoever it led. In vain did they cross one mountain barrier after another, plunge into the rocky gorge, or thread the mazy swamp to escape their fiendish watcher. The flying head would rise on tireless wings over the loftiest summit, or dart in arrowy flight through the narrowest passages without furling its pinions, while their sullen threshing would be heard even in those vine-webbed thickets where the little ground bird can scarcely make its way. The very caverns of the earth were no protection to the parasites from its presence, for scarcely would they think they had found a refuge in some sparry cell, when, poised midway between the ceiling and the floor, they would behold the flying head glaring upon them. Mm. Sleeping or waking, the monster was ever near. They paused to rest, but the rushing winds as it swept around their resting place in never-ending circles prevented them from finding forgetfulness in repose. Or if, in spite of those blighting pinions that ever fanned them, fatigue did at moments plunge them in uneasy slumbers, the glances of the flying head would pierce their very eyelids and steep their dreams in horror. <laughs> what was the ultimate fate of that band of parasites? No one has ever known. 
Some say that the master of life kept them always young in order that their capability of suffering might never wear out. And these insist that the flying head is still pursuing them over the great prairies of the far west. Others aver the glances of the flying head turned each of them gradually into stone. And these say that their forms, though altered by the wearing of the reins and the lapse of long years, may still be recognized in those upright rocks which stand like human figures along the shores of some of the neighboring lakes. Though most Indians have other ways of accounting for these figures. Certain it is, however, that the flying head always comes back to this part of the country about the times of the equinox, and some say even that you may always hear the flapping of its wings whenever such a storm as we have just weathered is brewing. Oh, this, it looks like this is actually written by Charles Fenno Hoffman. Oh, good for him. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is the most frightening and beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. Yes. Wow. Right? Yeah. Jesus. Mm -hmm. I don't even, like, I don't, I can't form any kind of coherent thought (laughs) about it. I'm just, like, in shock. I wish I'd heard this around a fire or oh, something. Yes. In the dark, yes. In the dark, dark woods. Mm. Yeah. Alone. What is it? Alone in the dark. In the quiet, in the dark, whatever. Ooh, yeah. from Haunting, Haunting of Hill House. Ooh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yikes. Oh, I loved that quote. I think I, I think I put that on one of my like Instagram pictures or something. It's so good. <laughs> so, do you want to hear a little bit more about the flying head? Yes. It's much less beautifully written. That's f- that's fine. But it's still very I interesting. Can't, I can't take any more of that. <laughs> <laughs> Although I would like to get that book now, or maybe right? find out like if there's more Charles Fenno Hoffman. Maybe he's written more stuff. Maybe. Because oh, this is just like a book. This is a collection of stuff, it seems like. It looks like it yeah. is. Yeah, now that we've yeah gotten to the end. Um, what, though, was that one word you kept saying? Um, parasides? Parasides. Yeah. Is, is that, that like... Offensive? I think it's killing killing of fathers. That's patricide. Oh. No, yeah, killing oh, a, a parent. A parasite. So I killing see. a parent or a, yeah. Okay. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's like, pa- patricide, like patricide is, is, is father specifically. Is and then matricide is mother. mother. But parasite is okay. parent or. Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I suddenly was <laughs> like, I've heard that <laughs> word so many times and all I can think is like parasite or something. <laughs> right. And I'm like, is this an offensive old time word? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not because I said it so many times. But I was pretty sure that was what it was. Yeah, That's okay. why I didn't look it up first, but then I got nervous. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad that we cleared it up. Yes. Um, okay. So, so more about the flying head. So according to both Iroquois and Wyandotte mythology, flying heads are described as being ravenous spirits that are cursed with an insatiable hunger. So they didn't really oh. touch on that in the story. So this, wait, but so this is not just this one story? It's Well, there's a story that it happened, but yeah, there's other the variations. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then other peoples from that area right. had different stories okay. that were like slightly different. Okay, okay. But okay. like that's the main one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, there's some other things. Got it. Because I mean with every single yeah. thing we yeah, have. Yeah, I just was just picturing it happening only to this one tribe. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Which it still might have. Yeah. Because these are all stories. Right. But right. Uh, right. who knows? So the physical appearance of the flying head somewhat varies upon the storyteller. However, it is generally described as resembling a human head, we know, with dark, long dark hair, terrible eyes, <laughs> and a large mouth filled with razor-sharp fangs. <sighs> and in most versions, the flying head has a pair of bat wings jutting from each side of its cheek and bird-like talons. Other versions replace its bat wings with those of a bird. Less scary, but still scary. Still scary. In all instances, they're described as being so large that they are taller than any man, uh, with thick, dark hair uh, as an imp- impenetrable hide. They said the arrows could not uh, get it. When you were describing, like, when, uh, the, the description, the day-to-day description as it was coming out of the water, mm-hmm. all I could think of was Samara from the ring oh, coming no. out of the well. And then, like, it was, like, on the seventh day, it grew wings, and I was like, fuck, seven days again. Oh, no. <laughs> I wonder if that's what it's based, <laughs> Samara's based on. Maybe. Uh, I don't know, because we've never seven actually, because I know days. that it's, I mean, it's, the original story is Japanese, but I don't mm-hmm. think... I don't think you and I have. We haven't talked about talked anything about like that? it. Yeah. Um, so, according to the folklore, the flying head drove its original native inhabitants, which we heard this story, mm-hmm. who lived in the area of the state of New York near the source of the Hudson River in the Adirondack Mountains away from their hunting grounds before the Europeans came. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, in the early 19th century, a Mohawk guide in the town of Lake Pleasant, New York, who called himself Captain Gill uh, (laughs) claimed it was Lake Scanandoga, where the legend took place. And the tribe had their village on on a hill that is now located behind the Hamilton County buildings. Uh, So you can really go there. But the hill where the unknown tribe's village was located is still considered cursed. In fact, three different hotels were built on the sacred site. And all three of them had a short lifespan and burned to the ground mysteriously. Oh. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) when he said a short lifespan, I was like, oh, well, they they went into bankruptcy or something. Mm -hmm. But burned to the ground mysteriously. All of them? All three of them? All three of them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you really got to research where you're building. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we could go there, though. I, mean, yeah, I know. That we could drive by it. So the legend states that the problems brought on by the flying head did not stop with this group alone. And the flying head chose to terrorize neighboring peoples as well, apparently for no particular reason. Mm. So one evening, after the Iroquois had been plagued a long time with fearful visitations, the flying head came to the door of a lodge occupied by a single female. Uh-oh. She was sitting before the fire, roasting acorns, which, as they became cooked, she took from the fire and ate. Hmm. Terrified by the power of the woman, who he thought was eating live coals, the flying head (laughs) left and bothered them no more. Oh my god. (laughs) There is an alternate version (laughs) of this part of the legend that says that rather than seeing a woman eating acorns and thinking she was eating live coals, the flying head stole live coals from her, 
and tried to eat them, thinking they were acorns. Oh, my God. Either way. <laughs> and the result was disastrous. The flying head flees in agony and then uh, combusts, pretty oh, much. No. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. I was picturing, like, um, a Muppet's Christmas Carol when Rizzo, um, Rizzo's tail catches fire and he jumps in the, the oh ice God. barrel. <laughs> Light the lamp, not the rat. Light the <laughs> lamp, not the rat. And then, so that's what I was picturing the head doing. But then it just blew no, up. it just it like just... poof, fire, um, became a fireball and then exploded. Okay. Um, so then the origins, although there is that main story, there are mm-hmm. uh, it varies greatly um, right. from people to people. Right. So in some tales, a flying head is created from a violent murder scene. The severed head of a victim grows to an enormous side. Size, sorry. Or the head emerges from a mass grave. In others, a human is transformed into a flying head after committing an act of cannibalism. But in many stories, the origin of flying heads is not remarked on at all. They are primordial monsters whose nature is to eat humans, but occasionally have other motivations of their own. That's it. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I wrote the widow story down here again also. But it's the same thing. So. Um, wild. Wild. Ooh. So that's that's it. Those are the flying heads from New York. That's a fun. <laughs> New York. New York. <laughs> hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> hey, I'm a flying head. <laughs> hey, I'm flying here. Uh <laughs> The Flying Heads, I was like, oh, that sounds like a good band name, but I was just thinking of the Talking The Talking Heads. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love I love the writing in that story from that 1906 was, so I much. I mean, oh my God. I know. That was gripping. We don't yeah. usually find things written well. They're <laughs> yeah. um, either like super old Englishy, so they're yeah, like... Yeah, so like impossible for us to read, impossible for you to understand. <laughs> or or just like, just badly written. Yeah, yeah, forgetting, forgetting verbs and whatever. Yeah. But yeah, that was just uh, Ooh, very... Golly. Well transcribed by that person. Yeah. <laughs> and created into... Yeah, I'd love to know more about, like, that book. (laughs) Like, what, like, like, where did this man hear this legend? Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't know. It's just so strange. Mm -hmm. That was great. Yeah. And scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Picturing the head slowly coming out of the water. yeah. I mean, when you said you were going to talk about a flying head, I thought it was going to be a little stupid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like a flying saucer, like, woo! Yeah, yeah, or just like a, like a head flying around, like you know, like I didn't mm-hmm. find it scary at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I do. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, yes. very, very, very scary. <laughs> anyway, all right. Um, so that's that. Yeah, on wings again, which this again. is our second yep. wing episode. Wings part two. But there's a lot of there's a lot of creatures with wings. Not as many as you would think. Mm-hmm. Not as many as I thought when I Googled yeah. uh, stuff. I guess this is where we say, <laughs> see you later, ghouls and boys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> when it's in your poop, mm-hmm. it seems like 
you didn't even chew it. Yeah. Like, it reassembles It's still itself plump and juicy and your... looks just like corn. <laughs> yeah, like, you just mm-hmm. swallowed it whole. <laughs> but that's not what happened. No. Because I, like, I, I remember chewing into it and, like, it bursting in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Country fresh flavor. Mm. <laughs> what are we, a corn commercial now? <laughs> it's country fresh flavor. Oh, there's your voiceover voice. <laughs> there she is. 